Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you You'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of Afterwork Drinks is sponsored by eco-conscious beauty brand Raw Canvas, your all-Australian natural and colourful skincare brand for a confident you. Visit www.rawcanvas.com for more. Is it? Yes. I think it's because I chilled the glass. It's the new, the new um, thing. So we were just joking that I finally learned how to make martinis properly, and Grace has finally learned how to Edit record the pod- record the podcast after two years. Yeah. I was like, Izzy, guess what? <laughs> I can do <laughs> it's it. It's working. So um, I have a development for you, which is that I started watching Dawson's Creek this week. I noticed it's come on Netflix. You've never seen it, have you? I no, no, like here and there, but I definitely haven't watched it back to back. That was my sexual awakening, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I was imagining that it would be quite, not risque, but kind of risque for its time. You know, because they talk about sex and stuff. They're meant to be 15. It's it's no OC. It's no OC. It really paved the way for so many shows we love now, but it does come across as very innocent. Mm. Um, But two things. On Netflix, they've changed the theme song because they couldn't get rights to the the really good Dawson's Creek theme song. The one's like, I don't want. <laughs> oh, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the good. one they've got now on Netflix is so awful. It's making me hate the show, even though I skip it. Just the tiny bit I get either side. It's it's so bad. It goes like, hey, yeah, 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 hey, no. and I'm like, ew. Why can't they get rice? It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, but three things. Mm-hmm. Dawson sucks. Yeah, he's the worst. He's he like the, the worst, worst character like in how... the history of TV. He's like an, an incel to be. He's like, nice guys always finish last. I was like, okay. It's, why, it's how like Harry Potter's the worst character yes, in Harry Potter. That's true. Yeah. It's that's a kind of archetype, like a simpy. Yeah, just annoying <laughs> straight white guy. male. Yeah. Dawson sucks. is the worst. There's heaps of memes um about his crying face. Mm. <laughs> he's the worst. He sucks. James Katie Vanderbeek. Holmes. 
is awesome. She's so beautiful, isn't she? She's stunning. Yeah. And she's a great little actress. I feel like I didn't know that she was good at acting. <laughs> I can't yeah. think of anything I've seen her in. Um, me either. Other than what's she in? I don't know. Search it. Because, yeah, obviously I watched her in Dawson's Creek, so that's just how she's famous. Um, and how crazy is it that that's um, what Michelle Williams started on? Yeah, Michelle Williams, I have to say, it's it's funny watching it that Michelle Williams is now the most esteemed actor out of the four because she's, she overacts like a lunatic. Yeah, she's really been, funny. She's really bad in it. Katie Holmes has been in nothing. Literally nothing. Literally in, nothing, right? She was in a thing called Disturbing Behaviour before Dawson's Creek. Then she was in Dawson's Creek. Then afterwards, she played a small part in a movie called Jack and Jill with um, Adam oh, with Sandler. Adam Sandler. And she was in the one of the Bat- Batman. And she was in <laughs> Batman Begins. Yeah. That's it. Is in that- 2005, that was the last thing she did. Are you serious? Oh, sorry, wait. There's heaps. <laughs> There's heaps she's in. I was like, why is she it's so nothing famous? That's, it's nothing that's, nothing that's famous. Okay, so But I- she's doing, been doing small things this whole time. But like... Nothing notable. Yeah, so I was curious as I watched it because I thought surely she would have been tipped to become a really, like, Natalie Portman-esque famous actress. And I revisited the Tom Cruise drama. And it's crazy. I think when you're young and you find out about things like engagements and pregnancies, you don't understand how weird it is to get engaged really quickly until you're older. Mm. She got engaged to Tom Cruise seven weeks after she met him. Wow. And she got pregnant with Suri less than three months after she met him. Wow. So that whole relationship, which is like railroaded her life and career, was just seven crazy weeks in 06 <laughs> that have just stayed with her ever seven since. Weeks seven they weeks they got engaged. After meeting, not Did even you... after they started dating, after the day they met to getting engaged was seven weeks. Uh, I was randomly watching this the other day, um, his interview with Oprah. Where That's he came all on I think about and when was I being think really Katie weird Holmes. and like doing the yeah, and he thing, jumped on the couch, jumping on the couch and stuff. I think we should play some of the audio, even though you can't you can't tell as much. We've never seen you behave this way before. I know. Have you ever felt this way? Before? I know she is here, Katie. I know you're here and you're watching. Look, Katie. He's gonna run, Katie. So I feel really bad for Katie Holmes because I feel like she got caught up in this thing when she was 26 or something. And because he was super fame, this massively famous actor. I don't personally understand seeing Tom Cruise as like a sexual being. Neither. But he was married to Katie Holmes and Nicole Kidman. So there's something we're not getting. <laughs> It's the, it's the older people. Yeah. He was too... He's, sex look, he's not out. We were staring at Leo and the Titanic when... Yeah. People 10 years older than us were staring at him and... At him and Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel bad because she... So she got fully indoctrinated in all the Scientology stuff, as we know. And since she left Scientology and divorced Tom Cruise, she's been going back to full Catholic church. Has she? Which is interesting. Anyway, yeah, I really like Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah it's i love uh, the biggest takeaway was that joshua jackson is awesome mm-hmm. he's so good in it i know it's a teen show but yeah he should be a more famous actor i know he'd barely worked in years either and then he's on um little fires everywhere yeah which i watched this year that reese witherspoon produced with Kerry washington yes and he's really good on that and also he just has a great um 
dating history. Amazing dating history. Diane Kruger for what? 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Single for a little bit. And then now married to Jodie Turner. Married? Engaged. Yeah. Married, married to Jodie Turner-Smith, who is this amazing American actress who we both love because she's stylish and really funny and a great actress. She's on Queen and Slim. Yeah, he's a legend. Mm. We love, we stand Joshua <laughs> Jackson unexpectedly. Yeah. He's quite zaddy now too, like um, in Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, he's sexy. I never thought yeah. of him as hot because he's in The Affair as well. I, mean, I want to watch The Affair. Yeah, you'll like it. It's really good. It might be really hard to watch now actually. Because I hate Dominic West. Knowing that Dominic, it kind of works when you think Dominic West is sexy and tortured and having mm-hmm. a midlife crisis and not a sleaze bag. Mm-hmm. Well, I have watched nothing new, but I <laughs> rewatched Boy last night, Taika Waititi's. Um, have you seen it? No. Oh, it's really good. It was one of his for earlier films. It came out in like 2010. Yeah, so it was one of his first big films. It's it's really good. It's really cute. And I'm going to watch, I really, I really want to rewatch Hunt for the Wilder People. Have you seen that one? No, but I... I've heard of that one. Yeah, really good. <laughs> and you've seen Jojo Rabbit, right? No. Oh my god, <laughs> I haven't seen any of his movies. They're really good. I know, we watched, we had to study his short films when I was in film school and everyone was freaking out about them and they were really great and then I just never saw anything. Hmm. Um, yeah, then there's also What We Do in the Shadows, which is a contra- controversially, I don't love, but it was, was really good. Does that have Jermaine Clement in it? Yeah, and it was a vampire one. Yeah, yeah, I remember, that came out when I worked it. A cinema. Yeah. And then now they have a TV show of it randomly. Hmm. But um, I find Jermaine Clement really funny. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say, I can't believe A, fucking Christmas is in like three weeks. That scares me. Yeah. And B, we're about to come out of lockdown. Well, kind of. We're about to come out of our most intense lockdown and it's Christmas in three weeks. It just seems so crazy. But Christmas gifts, two recommendations. Our friend Francesca has started making tableware. Um, for people in, well, she would ship worldwide because she's shipping me a tablecloth. Um, but people in Sydney specifically, it's called Thekla, T-H-E-K-L-A. And it's very chic and cool. She works at Vogue Living and has just got the cutest, trendiest home. It's so good. It re- Like, they're these really awesome... This, I, I just love things like that where they're just simple but perfect. Like, yeah. the exact thing that you're, like, hunting for but don't realize you want <laughs> yeah so she started making them in lockdown and they're really cute and i'm getting i like gingham checked one sent over here which cute. we're gonna use on christmas day yes and also i've gotten randomly really into vintage and antique homewares recently mm. um and have been using etsy quite a bit and now i follow heaps of cute vintage accounts on instagram um and then for anyone in sydney specifically again our friend mon has launched an instagram and an etsy shop and it's on Instagram, it's called Shop Trinket Store. And she finds the cutest. She's also very stylish. She is a stylist. Yes. Um, and she, yeah, finds the cutest little antique homewares. And I'm sure she would ship to New Zealand. I think London's just a bit far. But I follow heaps of really cute accounts. Um, most of them are in London, but I might read a couple out because yeah. people in London also follow us. Um, There's one called Scene, S-C-E-N-E, by Chloe, Rosemary and Peach Shop. Scout Goods, Sourced at 66, Aries Vintage, In Reverie Vintage, Ella Jane Vintage, Shop Rosemary Home, and Tamatama Store, and Finna Vintage. There's so many. Oh my god. But they're all in my, if if anyone wants, I mean, I'll put them in the show notes, but if anyone wants, just look at who I 
follow on Instagram. And you Very can good. get some cute stuff. Mm, something sad that happened this week is Meghan Markle revealed that she suffered a miscarriage with her second child to Prince Harry back in July. And she wrote a piece for the New York Times about how she woke up one morning at their house in LA and went to get her little boy Archie out of bed and she was holding him when she dropped to the floor in really um, severe pain and realized that she was losing her second child. She didn't say how far along she was, did she? No. No. Um, And in the piece, she writes about how her and Prince Harry didn't realize how many women suffered from miscarriages and basically similar to what Chrissy Teigen was saying um, about how she wanted to share her story to help break down the stigma around losing um around pregnancy loss um so she wrote losing a child means carrying an almost unbearable grief experienced by many but talked about by few in the pain of our loss my husband and i discovered that in a room of 100 women 10 to 20 of them would have suffered a miscarriage yet despite the staggering commonality of this pain the conversation remains taboo riddled with unwarranted shame and perpetuating a cycle of solitary mourning yeah, I it's so incredible that she wrote this. I feel as if it might be like lost on people what a big deal it is for a royal to come out and talk this openly about something like that. I know that Zara Phillips has talked in the past about having miscarried, but I think this is by far the most prominent public member of the royal family to talk about something that, like she says, was considered quite taboo and shameful or just undiscussed. So I think it's pretty amazing that she's come out and talked about it it makes me sad that they're so separate from the rest of the royal family because this is like exactly the kind of positive pr i feel like the royals need post the crown but also this is just the exact kind of royals everyone wants it's Mm -hmm. so funny watching as we talked about last week watching diana Mm -hmm. and how much the world resonated with her and responded to her and loved her and then megan is like the closest thing we've had since and again, the royals, like you said last week, have kicked her out. And now she's doing something amazing that Diana would have done. And she has, like, this incredible ability. And I'm not saying this in a negative way at all. That she has this incredible ability to read the room socially and see that this is, like, a conversation that needs more voices lent to it. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's... Who's to say whether she would have felt as... Um, comfortable sharing it if Chrissy Teigen hadn't shared her story Mm. so soon before but I think she realizes that she can contribute to a cultural conversation and is obviously in tune in a way that the rest of the royals aren't yeah like she knows what's going on you know she's I think and I'm not saying she's doing that to push her own like she doesn't need to push her own agenda she's the most famous woman in the world I'm saying that she knows that her voice will like add extra weight to something Mm. people are already discussing um so I feel like even her her that ability she has as a normal person yeah, to, to, is to, so useful to the royals who seem so out of touch all the time. Yeah, that's the thing. She knows what's going on. She knows what people are talking about. She knows what the what's happening in the, the kind of culture, the climate, and the rest of them just have no fucking idea. No, even Kate Middleton, like, and this is not against Kate Middleton as a person, but she did this initiative this week on Instagram, which is all about encouraging the health of children between when pregnancy through to the age of five and she was talking about how it's so important that children are treated well in those years and I was just like okay yeah <laughs> like it's it's good work but it's not it's so culturally ungroundbreaking which I know is what the royals like 
But I just think the contrast of those two things just showcases like this huge gap between understanding Mm. what conversations we're having culturally. And it just felt like this relic of an old world being shoved on Instagram (laughs) as opposed to truly understanding what the current social climate is. Yeah, and even in Megan's piece, instead of just writing just specifically about miscarriages, she tied it to all of the wider issues we're currently facing. So she talked about the Black Lives Matter movement, which is also quite a big thing for a royal to talk about. And then she talked about um, she talked about how, which Barack and Michelle Obama talked about in Michelle Obama's podcast, they were speaking about it heaps, how we've just lost this sense of community now. And it's kind of more evident currently than ever because of like obviously Donald Trump and everyone and she writes it seems we no longer agree on what is true we aren't just fighting over our opinions of facts we are polarized over whether the fact is in fact a fact we're at odds over the over whether science is real we're at odds over whether an election has been won or lost we're at odds over the value of compromise and I find I love that she wrote about a miscarriage but then brought in everything else that's going on and talks about how like divided we all are right now because I feel like that's a everyone keeps saying that we're all in this together with this global pandemic and I'm like I feel like we're like the most divided we've ever fucking been ever been and it feels like there's a a thing now where it's I mean I think it was heightened earlier on in the year but it's almost a thing now where people are constantly on edge looking to call out even someone that they know and are friends with or are close with to make sure that they're doing the right thing or they're, you know, like people are almost looking for conflict in this Mm. weird way nowadays that I just find really, really strange. You'll have people who are friends of yours that coming out being really antagonistic with you about stuff or friends of friends or people you know in this like completely unnecessarily combative conflict thing way. And it's almost this idea now that people think that they're doing something like noble or whatever by calling out people that they're friends with. And all it's doing is just making people feel like they don't have support networks around them anymore because Mm. it feels like, I don't know. I just, we're living in a very like combative conflict heavy culture now online and it's not very pleasant to be in. And then everyone also thinks that like if someone has an opinion that's different to yours. So the, that kind of, what we were talking about with Trump, how half the country voted for him, but everyone just everyone who didn't vote for him calls the people that voted for him just fucking stupid. That's as yeah, far as you're going to go. Yeah, and yeah. That's just it. And you're yeah. not going to try any harder to understand why they might have voted that way or try and get to know them or figure it out. Like, everyone's just like, if you're... I remember I, po- I was posting stuff with the New Zealand election because, obviously, I support Jacinda Ardern over Judith Collins... And um, I was posting stuff about Jacinda or whatever about the election. And I had all these people in my DMs just, I don't know. I was like, just, I'm allowed to think this way and you're allowed to think that way. I just don't understand why people are so, like, people just don't understand. People well, have I different just opinions. Get when we shifted from thinking that it was somehow socially correct to be kind of blatantly aggressive or rude or obnoxious to people that you know and are friends with over beliefs on like banal topics like the cannabis i'm not saying that the cannabis reform thing is banal but i'm saying it's it's like something where there is room i think every other generation in the past has understood that you will be friends with people that don't completely 100 percent see eye to eye with you on every single issue and that part of being friends is 
accepting other people's things or like engaging in their opinions in a good faith, genuine way. And now because of social media, we feel like it's okay to just send like snarky or like cunty or like rude DMs to people that we're meant mm-hmm. to be mates with. Like, I don't understand. And I know even, for example, people who've returned to Australia from overseas, like while COVID is going on, have said that they've been sent things from people who are meant to be their friends, sending them like rude messages about why they've come home when they haven't stuff. And I just think like... Yeah, COVID stuff. I've had people in my DMs recently... Um, because we talk on the podcast about how I went from London to New Zealand and back. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it in a jokey way on the podcast because I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of like having COVID before I left, getting COVID tests, like yeah. doing all of this stuff to make sure I'm safe and literally leaving a country. Like I left London because I had nowhere to live and lost my job and I was depressed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then went home to New Zealand where I was safe and isolated for two. And people just, we don't talk about that because we're making a fucking joke about something random. And then I've had all these people messaging me. <laughs> i like, just, you don't know the ins and outs. Just. Yeah. I just think it's, it's strange to me that like social, social conversation seems to have denigrated to the point where, yeah, people now just feel, I guess, like entitled to write rude things to. I don't. I'm not even saying this from that much personal experience. I'm just. It's just something I notice in conversation now, and I just think it's like really strange. And I think like that thing about community can sound very like LA and annoying and American, but that idea that people really need social support networks right now and need to feel like they have room to grow and be wrong and whatever. And yet, but even like we they, have this instead of having a community which social media should foster, mm. people are turning on each other in that community because they're not telling yeah. the party line on stuff. It's just strange. But even like they were talking about how when they were growing up, it would be very much like lit- literally a community of mm. people around that would help look after the kids, that you could drop them down the road, that you could go around to the neighbors and borrow. I remember doing that when I was younger, always we'd like go to the neighbors and borrow butter or weird mm. thing. And you knew all their names and you would, um, like even last night I was like, I need pepper and I wanted to go and knock on the neighbor's door. And then I was like, and, but it's obviously COVID, but I was like, people yeah. don't do that anymore. Yeah. Like you don't have this kind of community. Let's help everyone out thing. Everyone's just so grumpy. Like even I went for a walk this morning and so many cars are just beeping at each other and mm. swearing. And like, um, yesterday I was walking through a market and we we're walking out and obviously it's COVID. So there's all these fucking weird ways you mm. can walk. And we were maybe walking a bit slow and this woman just kind of basically shoved past me and loudly huffed out the thing. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, just fucking relax. Mm. What's everyone's problem? Okay, so Halima Adern, who's a f- sort of friend of the pod. Mm. More so a friend of yours, but friend of the pod-ish. Um, friend of the pod who couldn't come on because of our podcast name. Because our podcast name is about drinking and, and she's, she's a Muslim, Muslim, so she didn't want to come on which is very in keeping with what we're about to talk about which is about the fact that she has quit or is stepping back from the fashion industry because she has found that slowly over time she's been kind of pushed to keep compromising her belief structure and she's sick of it 
and she's made an announcement. So can you kind of explain this to me? Because I feel like you know a bit more about this than I do. Yeah. I actually was DMing her about it the other day. Oh, were you? Yeah. She's such a little angel. But, Mm. um, and so basically Halima in 2017, she made her New York Fashion Week debut and went on to become the first Muslim hijab wearing model, supermodel. So she um, was on Sports Illustrated. She's walked New York Fashion Week. She's fronted the cover of numerous Vogue's. Um, She's massive and she's incredible. Um, And basically now because she's home, she's because of COVID, she's had to take a break from the industry and she's been home spending a lot of time with her mum. And she did a big announcement on Instagram basically saying that for years her mum's been pleading for her to open her eyes and to realise like how much she's conforming to this industry and how much of her um, core beliefs she's compromising on to, to be part of the fashion industry and in so many ways she thought that she was doing this in order to like break down barriers for other young women and she thought she was you know she is like paving the way for so many young hijabi women but the way that kind of a lot of brands have made her have made her change the way she wears her hijab in shoots on runways and in campaigns um has been like really detrimental to her mental health she said that like sometimes she would leave a shoot and go into her hotel room and burst into tears crying because she felt so upset um and even though a lot of the time she she had pushed back like she was one she's one of the only models that has a private changing room which seems just wild anyway because they all should have that yeah um and she also i remember she was telling me a while ago that um for Kanye's Yeezy show, she mm. was cast in it and she was so excited. Um, and she went to the show and um, went to the fitting and was like, no, this won't work for me. So she left and she was super upset and started crying. And then they called her back and they'd found an outfit that would work for her. Mm. And um, Rihanna, who was one of the first people to ever cast her, let her wear, let her bring her own hijab and wear it how she wanted to. Mm. Um, but basically she wrote on Instagram... As I've said many times, being a minority inside of a minority inside of a minority is never easy. Being a hijabi is truly a journey with lots of lows and highs. But with that being said, my mother has been pleading with me for years to open my eyes. Thanks to COVID and the breakaway from the industry, I finally realized where I went wrong in my per- personal hijab journey. I wish I'd never stopped bringing my black hijab to, sh- to set because the minute I got comfortable, I got too carried away. Um, so yeah, there's like times where people had kind of replaced her hijab with a hat or something else that's covering her head, like jewels. And um, a lot of the time it wasn't covering her neck properly Mm. at all. Like sometimes she'd just be wearing, and she was saying that she was saying that she got so lost along the way that then she would start wearing stuff to events and to fashion weeks Mm. and herself. That wasn't how she would truly want to wear her hijab. So Mm. she'd wear um, dresses with collars instead of wearing the full neck scarf. Neck scarf. Um, but yeah, it's such a shame because she's such an incredible role model. And I, she was so stoked when I talked to her in London at the Tommy Hilfiger show that there were three hijabi women in the lineup for that show and not just her. Um, and she's obviously such a huge role model to so many young women everywhere, but now she's being such a role model for young Muslim woman by taking a stand. So there was a really great essay in the new issue of Harper's Bazaar, which is the first under a new editor-in-chief, Samira Nassar. And um, they have a big essay on the challenge of being first. So mm. like whenever you're the first person to break through, um, they interview Kamala Harris and Condoleezza Rice and a bunch of other um, 
women or people that have been their first in their field in something um, and how it's such a double-edged sword because you you kind of just want to go in and do things your way but you're having to represent <laughs> like the whole community of who you represent as a person whether you're a woman or a woman of color or if you have a disability or a queer or trans or whatever you kind of then have this responsibility to represent this entire community and often that's just far too much pressure to put on a single person um and I think it's interesting that I read that the same week that this came out because I think that that's Halima's experience shouldn't be taken either way as a representation for all Muslim women because she's just one girl she cannot represent every single Muslim woman Mm. in an industry like fashion it doesn't work there might be hundreds upon hundreds of uh, hijabi models who don't feel the same way she does about the like the way that they styled a hijab on her mm-hmm. you know and well, there'll be yeah, a lot who were... do agree and uh, completely feel the same and hopefully her speaking out will make brands a lot more sensitive and aware and culturally aware of like the way that they work with models yeah well i even went in and um went back to a time when i profiled her and swapped all the images out for images that she would, she would be happy with now yeah because you don't you don't know because at the time either exactly this is the problem when industries are so homogenous like fashion is where it's almost entirely white kind of christian background people is that you just don't have the tools to understand the nuances of an issue like this Mm. you can accidentally really upset someone purely by your own ignorance which is why you need muslim stylists muslim photographers muslim makeup artists like Muslim creative directors who understand all of, like the cultural connotations so they can be really sensitive. Yeah, I even found it funny people writing this story and choosing images that, that are the exact reason why she said she's quitting fashion. Yeah, so like, did you read what she yeah, said? Yeah, do you yeah. read what she's saying? She's saying that the images that you've just chosen to illustrate a story about her leaving the fashion industry are why images, she's leaving, the, why fashion she's leaving the fashion industry. I was like, guys, come on. Um, but yeah, Halima's incredible. She has an amazing story. She was born in a refugee camp in northwestern Kenya where her mother had um, taken refuge after fleeing from the Somali Civil War and her mum had walked 12 days on foot there in 1994. Mm. They lived in a house made of mud and sticks in one of the most difficult environments to like raise a family. Um, and in her TED Talk in June 2018, Halima talked about how she'd often get sick with malaria and it was common to not know where their next meal would come from or when it would be um and then they were lucky enough to get sent to america where her mum found a really great community speaking of community of other somali women and raised halima and then she went on to become this incredible supermodel and now works with unicef to help people in the exact camp where she was she was actually in akesha's uh, refugee yeah, same camp. camp yeah, same refugee camp yeah it's also cool because i think people think that fame and success and financial success and publicity is like the be all and end all of life and really struggle to get their head around the fact that someone just might not want that mm, yeah. <laughs> you know she's gonna she's super smart she's gonna go on and have an incredible career in whatever she decides to do next of course um, hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And, and, I, and I don't even think this specifically means that she's going to be leaving fashion for good. I think it means she'll be leaving fashion if they don't, if they don't cater to exactly what mm. she needs. And I think that so many places will. I think yeah. out of this, she'll get, she'll get a massive Vogue cover or something, something big actually showing her journey and her wearing a hijab how she wants to yeah i, I hope anyway. i hope so yeah yeah um okay on to celebrities launching horny sex toy product companies <laughs> so there's been like a few in the last few weeks which is yeah random. kind of fascinating so dakota johnson announced her partnership with sexual wellness brand maud and they make organic condoms, lubricant, and sculptural chic-looking sex toys. And then Cara Delevingne joined forces with the sexual technology company Laura DiCarlo. Joined forces? <laughs> Sorry, I'm like reading out literally a line. <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading from a W magazine. I know. Article. I can fucking see that and hear that. Okay. <laughs> Cara Delamine. I don't know what now, to say. It doesn't even say joins forces. I just said that. Just oh, my God. Oh, my God. Then Cara Delevingne started working with Laura DiCarlo, <laughs> which is a sexual wellness and technology company where she is now the co-owner and creative advisor. Lily Allen also recently launched a sex toy company, but we'll come back to her. Yes. She's like a sign of how you do it properly. Yeah. The thing I found really interesting with this is that I read all the interviews with Kara and Dakota Johnson about their new sex toy companies, and they were incredibly evasive about actually talking about the realities of using sex toys and sex products. Say so use a dildo, yeah, Dakota. Yeah, so Kara goes, I'm more than happy to see people discussing sex... Sorry, also... Yes. Kara. Yes. Spot like literally photograph walking a fucking um, sex mm. swing into her house with Ashley Benson, and she exactly. can't say that she uses a sex toy. Exactly. So she goes, "I'm so happy to see more people are discussing sexual wellness. I think it's so important, and never too late to start learning about what your body needs. I'm still learning, but during quality, fuck, but during quarantine, I've started having more open conversations with friends and loved ones, and hope to continue having these discussions with more people. It's like, what does that even mean?" <laughs> Like, she's talking about selling vibrators and dildos, and she's, like, talking about it in the most, like, round-the-block way. And then Dakota Johnson goes, I believe that sexual wellness is a fundamental human right. Consensual sex and intimate pressure, pleasure is, like, self-care for all bodies. Every human should have access to quality sexual products, regardless of their gender, age, or sexuality. Oh, sorry. Regardless of their den- gender, adult, age, or sexuality. I was like, why is she saying that? Then I'm like, <laughs> She's not a pedophile. Um, the sexual wellness industry has been owned by the same legacy companies for a hundred years. The conversation is outdated and not conducive to contemporary humans. What? Customers usually face exclusively male or female focused product 
and it's about being naughty or raunchy, etc. Naughty is our favorite word. I love being naughty and raunchy. (laughs) Sexual wellness is self-care. Taking care of your body in a sexual way should be the same as taking care of your body in terms of nutrients, skincare, and exercise, etc. Then she was asked what her favorite product was, and she goes, I love a good vibe for obvious reasons, which means vibrator, but like, say vibrator. Vibe? I love a good vibe. I love a good vibe. But the body wash is wonderful. I'm really soothed by the idea that the product I use on my body is helping my body be the best version of itself. So she runs a sex toy company and she's saying her favorite product is the body wash. This is all very disingenuous. You're meant to be slamming taboos around sex and pleasure. And you're both refusing to say that you masturbate or that you use any of the products that you're now trying to sell. It's so, so, Or what so, your favorite so product off. is in the company that you're using that you personally like using yourself. Whereas Lily Allen launched a six. Yes. Did What did she do? She launched her own company or she, she joined one? She launched a collection with a company that she... Yeah, and then she um, was interviewed by a Sunday Star Times, right? Mm. Journalist. Um, and she was like, yeah, she, so the first time she used this product was when she was in the bath one night and she said to a journalist that she was feeling really horny. So she went on Postmates and ordered this vibrator to her house and then, um, gave the Postmates guy her, um, key code so he could get into her apartment, come into her house and leave it on her (laughs) living, on her dining room table while she was in the bath. And then she used it and was like, this is the best vibrator I've ever used. So she invested in the company. And then she was literally telling the Sunday Times journalist to go out to her bedroom and um, that she'd try the very same vibrator. Try the exact same vibrator and said that she would sanitize it and like she could use it and it would be fine. Yeah, she's like, go up and use it now before we keep talking. Like, someone can clean it for you. It's fine. And the journalist said, no, I feel like I would have said yes. Like a legend. Like that's exactly who you – I just find it really – um, disingenuous now. It's like your, your, what's the word? Backpacking? Piggybacking? Piggybacking. <laughs> Piggybacking. This trend of open conversations about sex and masturbation and female pleasure and sexual wellness, then you're refusing to be explicit about any of the sides of that. So you're basically just making money off of this thing without putting anything on the line personally for yourself. And then that's, to me, that reaffirms the taboo. Yeah. You know, it's not even like you're not breaking it. It's like you're reaffirming it by refusing to talk about it even as the owner of a vibrator company. Like, why are you saying I love a good vibe? Instead of saying, like, <laughs> I like vibrator style number seven. That's I, kind, I, I like use. kind of want to use that term now as a joke. <laughs> I love a good New vibe. podcast name, a good vibe. A good vibe. This, I love a good This should vibe. be the name of this episode. Oh, yeah, we call it I love a good vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good idea. But don't you think it's, like, really – I just feel like they really, like, pussy, ha-ha, pussied out of yeah. having, like, it they, – they, it just reads, like, a press but release. But what's the point of being involved in this company, then? I feel like no one's going to buy – maybe some people will buy the body wash. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to buy the body wash afterwards. It's just – it – annoys me I guess especially looking at someone like Olivia Wilde who wrote a story this week about her wearing a shirt that said the future is female ejaculation Mm. and that someone like that just showcases that it's no longer some sort of career ruining thing to talk about sex and pleasure and female masturbation without it having an impact on your career so the fact that like she's just a film director who happens to be wearing that and yet someone who's And yet people who are trying to frame themselves as these kind of amazing pro-sex business women 
and then like too afraid to even talk about using their own sex products themselves i know and also a quick shout out to tessa thompson who was the first person to wear the future is female ejaculation t-shirt on the set of the movie sorry to bother you so olivia tagged tessa thompson in her post because she bought the top afterwards and the top is by this queer feminist us-based brand other wild um and they were the first ones ever to bring back the future is female tea before Prabhu Gurung did. They brought it back with the f- original lesbian photographer, Lisa Cohen, who originally photographed her girlfriend, Alex Dobkin, wearing that slogan tea in 1975. This brand, Wild, collaborated with her to re-release it oh, before his fashion show. That's and then naughty. He just put it down the runway and <clears throat> 25% of their profits go straight to Planned Parenthood and he donated nothing from the sales of his and theirs are like 20 US dollars. Okay, we need to buy those t-shirts. I, I, I was looking on the um, Other Wild trying to buy stuff the other day. And secondly, I listened to an interview with Olivia Wilde on Evan Ross Katz's podcast this week. So did I. Did you listen to it too? How yeah. great is she? Yeah. I'm like such a fan of hers now. Yeah. I really liked how she said, so Olivia Wilde was just this hot actress for, for ages, for like 15 years. And she then directed Booksmart. And she basically said in this interview, she was really open when she said, this is the first time in my career where I've been excited to do press. Because in the past, I knew I'd been typecast in like hot girl roles and I had to pretend that I found them really exciting and like <laughs> um, creatively stimulating. And, and also now, how how incredible is it that Booksmart was her first ever... I know. Um, that it was her director, directorial debut. Fucking amazing film. And then now she's doing Don't Worry Darling and got the biggest cast of A-list actors signed off. So she had Shia LaBeouf, who um, I think she fired. Yeah, <laughs> she hates, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah. he was just a maniac. And Florence Pugh, she's got Harry Styles, she's got Chris, one of the Chris's, Pine maybe? Chris. Yeah, Pine. A Chris. Um, a Chris. And Gemma Chan and Kiki Lane. Oh, yeah. And amazing. literally, this is a second ever film. And, and she all just these got people the Marvel signed one. On. And she's got a Marvel She's just film. got a Marvel yeah. movie. So, yeah, she's really awesome. You guys should listen to her interview. And it's <laughs> like a... <laughs> um, so, Cabaret is my favorite movie of all time. And Sally Bowles and Liza Minnelli's character. <laughs> I think I'm getting sick. Oh, you have coronavirus. Get out of this house, you fucking... Not coronavirus. It's like one degree <laughs> in this shithole city. Um, anyway... Sally Bowles, who Liza Minnelli plays in Cabaret, which is my favorite movie, is like Olivia Wilde's great, great aunt or something. She's like a very connected legend. And she got married to like Italian royalty when she was 19. She's really interesting. Huh. Hmm. My friend once accidentally took Olivia Wilde's phone home from a party. Really? <laughs> yeah, and had to like figure out how to get it back to her. She just took, picked it up thinking it was her phone. That's crazy. That's so chaotic. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> she was like fuck when she got home oh my god that's so cool um yeah anyway so i just yeah i don't know i just found that whole thing kind of annoying this week what thing the dakota johnson oh i was like what the fuck are we talking about i was like you found olivia wilde annoying this week no sorry i just found the whole dakota johnson cara delevingne thing annoying and also before this episode, we were getting on a, um, this weird tangent about how Chris Martin just gets hit to hot girls. Yeah, insane. So I had to write a story about Gwyneth Paltrow this week and she 
yeah, anyway, it sent me down like a spiral about Chris Martin. And it turns out that Chris Martin like dated Gwyneth Paltrow at her absolute like yeah, peak biggest. of hotness. Like she like left Brad Pitt, broke up with broke up with nineties Brad Pitt. Like, can you imagine? And then went out with Chris Martin. And then like whatever, fine. They get divorced, and then he goes out with Alexa Chung, Jennifer Lawrence, and Dakota Johnson back to back. Yeah. Like, is this does this man have like a nine carat gold penis? That's wild. Big dick energy. Yeah, does he have Pete big... Davidson's really chilled out on the dating all the famous girls recently, hasn't he? Yeah, they probably all just realized that he's random. He Ariana Grande, Kate Beckinsale, Margaret Qualley, Kaya Gerber. Yeah. In the space of a year. Yeah, I think his like Ariana Grande clout like has, has faded has <laughs> into the abyss. Wayne. Yeah. And now he's back to just being... Yeah, SNL comedians get the girls. Olivia Wilde, that's how she met Jason, her husband. Yeah. Her husband who apparently she's now getting divorced from. Well, this is what's interesting, which I talk to you about all the time, where I'm just like, what's the deal with like all the men who are involved in SNL going out with like queens of the planet? And then the women in SNL are just like, yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, what's her face? Shook she went out with Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, that's true. Actually, she's the only one. But she's a producer. She's not funny. She's like a power player, right? But you know what I mean. I'm just like, it's not like I don't want to name names because then it becomes rude. A feminist but, issue. Yeah, but I'm just like, it's funny to me that like I've said this before, but like Emma Stone married a completely unknown SNL writer because obviously he'd be really funny. But being a really funny woman doesn't necessarily lead to you being, like, a dick magnet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, me too. We like... We, women, I think, care so much more about personalities. And men care so much more about looks. I was talking to Zach about as this. As a blanket rule. As a blanket rule. And I was talking to Zach about this. And I was like, what's up with that? Um, and he said that he thinks a lot of men are threatened by funny women. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, yes, that's it. He was like, it's not that they don't find it attractive, is that it's threatening to them. Yeah. Because if you're, men have quite, not always, but men can have quite fragile egos. So you want to be the funny one in the relationship if you're a man. This leads on to um, what you were saying about the Dolly Alderson thing you were Mm. reading. Yeah, Dolly Alderson has a weekly advice column and she wrote one this week in the Sunday Times to a 19-year-old girl who basically said, my best friend is really beautiful and she always gets boyfriends and like I think I'm kind of funny and cute and cool or whatever, but I'm really scared no one's ever going to want to go out with me because I don't feel like I'm pretty enough. Everyone hates having that really, really, really thotty hot best friend when you're young. I know. Because you go out and that's the thing when, you, when you're young. I mean, even now... Yeah. But it's you you can just tell people are just staring at that one girl. Well my best friend all through high school, she wasn't like thotty at all, but she like Phaedra, she was like a supermodel. About me. <laughs> and you as well. <laughs> but I mean in those like yeah, awkward like teenage years. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. but that never really bothered me because she's so wonderful and cool and wasn't really like aware of it. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think we can all relate to that like horrible feeling as a teenager, but Dolly Alderson wrote this really cute column about how, um, it's so much more worthy to invest in your like character. Like she talked a lot about character, which I thought was really nice because that's like a very old fashioned idea that we don't talk about much these days. Mm. The idea that you, you should invest your time in being 
well-read and watching fantastic shows and learning about the world and being funny and being interesting and being well-traveled, then you shouldn't looking better because it's just such a depreciating asset that's like a total waste of time. Yeah. And also as you get older, like when you're a teenager, all you care about is looking cool, dressing well, being pretty. And then as you get old and also as a teenager, things like being also, I always forget we have young fans. Mm. <laughs> so it's just it's just good for them to hear this. Every single time I talk, I'm talking as if we're talking to people that are just our age. Yeah, yeah. But, but we're talking to... My sister's 19 and heaps of her friends listen to this podcast. Mm. And literally, girls, listen up. You As you get older, things like being smart, being well-read, knowing about the world around you, mm-hmm. traveling... Watching movies, listening to music, going to art galleries, like uh, uh, being a really well-rounded, just being able to have conversations with people. Yeah, Um, and which is and the way you can have dynamic conversations with people is by learning these things and listening, like listening to lots of podcasts about different topics. Um, Like even literally the other day, I was like, I know fuck all about like socialism is such a term that's been around for ages, but I was like, I actually know fuck all about it, and so I just searched all these podcasts and was just listening to podcasts back to back and was like, okay, got it. And then you can have massive conversations about that with people um, or just any kind of topic that you kind of feel when someone brings it up, you're like, haha, and just sort of divert the topic. Like for a lot of people, that's politics. Just start slowly listening to things and you get your head around it. And it's so much more fulfilling as well. Like that period of time where you feel like being beautiful is the most important thing in the world. Like it really does like we're not going to lie to you and say like the pressure of looking attractive leaves because I don't think it does but you get to a point in your life quite quickly when you're like in your early 20s hopefully now even earlier where you just realize that who you are as a person is um so much more valuable and relevant and interesting than how you look if someone it's so it's such a funny thing I was actually talking to my friend about this on Friday night um one of my best guy friends, we had like this pe- this cute like pizza and wine night at his house. And I was talking about how as women, especially if you're yourself, or I think maybe in our industry, it might be completely different in other industries. I think this is actually very specific to fashion, but if you're yourself and if you're goofy and you're funny and you're mm-hmm. loud mm-hmm. and chatty, which we found so many times, people think that you are nobody. It's like so funny because everyone puts on this front and everyone's trying to be cool and everyone's trying to be coy and and people aren't like, aren't overly friendly and aren't overly chatty. And it's just, I'm like, what? Why? It's it's so weird. Yeah. I don't know if this, I'm I'm trying to figure out my train of thought. I keep losing it. No, no, it is connected because it's, it's this whole thing that you have to constantly like bristle against and fight against as a woman the idea that you should be presented as like a purely visual aesthetic thing. Like that's Mm. what that is in fashion is someone saying like, I don't want to be defined by my personality. I want to be defined by my outfit and thinness and beauty and makeup and like chicness. That's what I want you to judge me as a person on. So if I'm like shoving a big personality on top of that, it like conflicts with the message I'm trying to put out. Right. So it's like, I've done that so many times where I just completely retreat into my shell and don't talk and people probably think I'm quite rude and standoffish, which is like funny because it's the opposite of what I'm like. And we've talked about that at, when yeah. we went to Fashion Week and you said you love going there with me because I'll just chat to anyone and I'll sit yeah. down and talk. And it's because I'm like, I'm not going to let this stupid fucking industry 
change my personality. But then you literally notice people treating you as less than because of it. It's so yeah, stupid. And, or it's... people thinking that you don't understand that that's how you're supposed to be. I'm like, no, I understand that that's how I'm supposed to be, but I'm not going to do it. Like even my, one of my really good friends, um, Maggie Marilyn, she's the designer of Maggie, Maggie Hewitt. Mm. She's the designer of Maggie Marilyn mm. and use really incredible New Zealand label. And she's exactly the same. We bonded same with, Georgia, Alice, we bonded straight away because they're just two amazing Kiwi girls who are who happen to be beautiful, who happen to be stylish, who happen to create amazing designer clothes and dress Solange and Meghan Markle and um, Michelle Obama and everybody, Rosie Hunter and Whiteley, but they're chill and don't give a fuck. And I'm like, would you not rather be like that? Yes, but I think it's fear. I think people are really scared and it's been like a massive... Um, a massive learning curve for me, which I have to keep reminding myself all the time, is that the things that I thought were not valuable about myself that I would try to shove down are the exact things that make me valuable. Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. Like, like I've always been really, really nerdily into, like, movies and yeah. books and politics and stuff that I was, like... I never pretended I didn't like. It kind of reminds me of being in high school where I like something I got in heaps of trouble for in high school was like pretending to be dumb in class, like acting like I didn't know the answers and stuff. And it's kind of like the same thing in fashion where it's like you put this like earnestness or excitement or like whatever to one side because you think all you should be is this kind of cool visual paired back wearing a chic outfit and not saying much person. Whereas it's like, being intelligent and thoughtful and engaged in feminism and politics and cultural issues and movies and film, like movies and TV shows and books and like all the things that we're interested in and that we bond over mm. is what makes us awesome. And clothes and fashion is like just, just a makes lit- us, And also just it makes just, us feel good. Yeah, we like it. But yeah. it's like one in a bunch of 50 things mm. that we find interesting. And I think that that speaks to, I think fashion is so fascinating because it's like a really extreme example of what women go through on like a micro level. Yes. And it's like that thing that women have in dating, in social situations, in wherever, on social media, where there's this temptation to just like shove down all of these parts of yourself, except for just how you look is like constantly present to women because we're not encouraged to be smart and funny and interesting and have character because even how crazy it was when you listened to that podcast i was talking about last week um they go into it's called you're wrong about and they did a five-part series on princess diana but in the first episode they were talking about how she was born into this rich family and the boys were sent to uni and the girls she literally was a fucking cleaner which is fine like fine but i'm like from that that, from that family where you're so wealthy and so rich and can do anything you want to do for them to send their daughter to be a cleaner because they don't care because she's just going to marry someone rich Mm -hmm. and that was not long ago that's our mom's parents age and that idea of coolness i think being like that idea of being cool is so funny and interesting Mm. and it's like the things that i think of as cool it's like the fashion industry isn't very cool. No. Do you know what I mean? It's like you think about, like, we'll beep out the names, but you think about, like, these people that are lauded as being very chic. They're not cool. Like, they try very hard, and they're not... The fashion industry is interesting because there are some really, really, really fucking cool people who are in the fashion industry or who circle the fashion industry and 
they attend industry events and they're adjacent to the industry and they work as stylists and photographers and models and everything. But inherently the industry is not necessarily very cool because the archetypal fashion person is like an image and personality list, which by its definition is just boring. Like the most exciting thing in the world is character. It's being an individual. It's being exciting. It's like being interesting. And it's funny to me kind of like getting out of that world enough to realize that that's the best thing about me. Yeah. The thing I find so funny, I was talking to my dad about this last night where I said like the most insecure women in the world are fashion models. (laughs) Like you need to understand like the women who we consider the most beautiful are the most insecure about their looks because they're literally going to castings every single day where they're being told that their hips are half an inch too big or that they're not tall enough or that their hair's the wrong color or they don't have the right look. Like rejection for their looks is an inherent part of their day-to-day job in a way it isn't for anyone else. And it's like that thing where people in fashion who are the most fashionable people, in my opinion, in my opinion, everyone in fashion feels like an outsider. I don't yeah. think I don't think anyone goes into fashion week or sits in the front row or does anything and is like, yeah, these these are my people. These I think every- unless you've been doing it for years and years and years and, and years. even then, like I feel I, like I you don't know. Still I see- think if you were like if you were like front row and you've been doing it for years and you're walking in with your friends, but it's so fickle and it so yeah. hinges on these arbitrary things that can just change on a dime. Like even if you're Anna Wintour and you've been going every single year for 30 years and you're like okay this is my thing you're there because of your job and once you retire you're not invited to anything anymore Uh right or if you're invited as an actress or a singer as a blogger where it's not about your job if you're not cool for one season or you haven't done an acting gig in three years or your blog has like fizzled out or whatever or someone new and hot comes in who replaces you you know what i mean like no one really belongs there it's so transient and like non-permanent and I think that that's the funny thing is that the people that you think are the most fashionable and the most secure in their style are also some of the most like insecure people in the world I know how funny is it I love it (laughs) (laughs) how long have we been talking for hour and 20 yeah let's wrap it up we're gonna talk about black friday but I feel like we can like simplify what we're gonna say down to like black friday is probably a bad idea (laughs) In the like current climate crisis. It's a, a bad idea in the climate crisis. I actually wrote a piece about it last year. Um, my friend Laura Pitcher wrote a piece about it for Teen Vogue last year as well about how um, it's crazy that we all talk about how there's a massive climate emergency and then we're all shopping fucking like crappy high street brands for a fraction of the price when they're already too cheap. Um, it just makes no sense. So there are actually quite a lot of brands. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast. I'm going to bring up this very old article of mine because Yay. <laughs> uh, um, there are quite a lot of brands who are anti-Black Friday brands and they call it Green Friday. Mm. And so these brands take a stand um, and give back to the environment by planting trees, shutting down completely over the sale period or donating proceeds to charity and climate change initiatives. So yeah, um, in 2018 alone, Black Friday resulted in over 6.2 billion in online sales in the US, a growth of 23.6% year upon year. And Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday, Monday, Cyber Monday somehow topped that figure with shoppers dropping $7.9 billion in a 24-hour period. But there are a bunch of brands who are 
anti-Black Friday and who literally shut down completely to help the planet while we're all being fucking wankers shopping on Amazon for like random shit we don't need. Exactly. Me, and I think a Fitbit. A Fitbit. <laughs> I was trying oh to buy an God. Apple Watch, but um, the guy ghosted me, so fuck knows. The guy ghosted <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Okay, so there's an Australian brand called Will and Bear who plant 20 trees for every single hat it sells. Everlane is amazing. Maggie Marilyn, of course, is incredible. Patagonia, DCM, which we love. DCM is the parent company of The Ordinary, but they also do this brand called Noid. And full disclaimer, we got sent some Noid products a while ago, like six months ago. We did. Did you not? <laughs> no. Were you supposed to share them with me? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, um, they are incredible Noid products. So, and they're not even expensive. It's like, uh, what was it? Oh, okay. It's not, it's not super cheap. It's like 50 US dollars for one of the products. But I've been using their regime, which is like a serum, another serum, and then a hyaluronic acid formula. And it's made my skin so much better. And your skin is visibly glowing when you use it. So that's amazing. They are great for Black, uh, for Green Friday. And then there's a bunch of other brands that I can't bother reading out because we need to go. And it's already <laughs> happened. Bye. <laughs> okay, love you guys. Goodbye. Put Kanye on. Oh, yeah. Put Kanye on. Book. I don't want to go home. I don't want you to go home. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.